But one of the first times I smoked like a high grade joint was with Mike. Really? After the show. <laughs> and I that. was completely out of my mind. Well, like, yeah. I, I was completely out of my mind afterwards. Yeah. I aim to please. <laughs> And I oh, had to go host no. a charity event afterwards. Holy shit. And I got there and I was like, oh, fuck. <laughs> hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Hot Boxing. I'm Evan Britton. And I'm Mike Tyson. Mike, today we've got a legend in here, man. A national treasure, <laughs> if I might say so. I would love to meet him. Where is he? We've got the one and only Jimmy Kimmel. The one and only. He'd be in real humble right now. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Wow, this is some operation you guys have. It's pretty big. You know, most of the time you do a podcast, it's like the corner of somebody's office. Yeah. You've got a whole party going on. You have a whole building here. You've got plans. It's unbelievable. Really, it's. Not very stoner-like to have this much going on. <laughs> well, anybody here has um, stoner tendencies. You know? Yeah, yeah. So this happens. You're really smashing stereotypes no, really, here. Absolutely. We're really happy to see you. Everybody's really happy to see you. We all love you. We've seen you over the years and stuff. they seen when we host the show together and stuff. Oh, yeah. I love having you on. You know, you were on, what, like the first month we were on, I think. Yes. Yeah. That, that was Jimmy great. Jimmy came alive? I had a great time. Yeah. Yeah. Really? Yeah. I was telling my brother-in-law that, uh, yesterday. Brother-in-law Eric. Yeah, my well, brother-in-law Eric. You can get Eric in closer, here. man, if you want. He's Eric, sk- don't be afraid. Yeah, don't be afraid, <laughs> brother. Don't be afraid, dude. I was telling him last night that we, uh, Mike and I shot a Christmas. We did a, a Christmas song together. Yes, we did. Yes, we did. It was Winter had Wonderland. The, had the great sweater on this. <laughs> yeah. the great sweater. And it, this ne- almost never happens. But in the middle of the shoot, it was like a three-hour shoot. I got a call from my son's school. My son's now twenty-five years old, and so he was up to something. I don't know. He got he was in trouble, and I said, "I'm sorry. I have to leave for about an hour." And Mike's like, oh, "It's okay. Don't worry about it. I understand." So. I went and got my son, and Mike waited for an hour, which I was very grateful for. And we get back, and Mike said, I'm going to talk to your son. And Mike sat my son down and had this, the greatest conversation with him. I kind of went off to the side because I wanted them to be alone together. But, Mike, you're telling him, like, you know, I had trouble in school, and but you have to, you know, you're really encouraging him and telling him, sharing your story of, of being a kid and having problems and – I really was just like, wow, this bullied is and stuff. Yeah. yeah. And uh it was uh it was really it was fantastic. And then I told him that if he screwed up again, you would beat the shit out of him. Well, so. <laughs> I wouldn't do that at all. <laughs> he didn't know though. I, you know. Yeah. But it was very sweet actually. That is. But that's Mike. That is Mike and most you know? people don't know that. Yeah. yeah. Most people don't know that so side. What, of him. what is it like from Brooklyn to where you're at now? Yeah. I moved when I was 9 years old to Las Vegas from Brooklyn, my parents. Why Vegas from Brooklyn? Um, mm. It's a weird story, and I actually just learned some details. So my family, not my parents, but my aunt and uncle, my Uncle Frank, who you remember, he, he visited you in Brooklyn. Um, they, my Uncle Frank retired. He was a New York police officer, 20 years. He retired, and he wanted to move to Florida. So they went to Florida, and they put a down payment on a house in Florida, and they were staying with some friends nearby. And out in the backyard, in the pool, was an alligator. <laughs> and 
they were like, there's no fucking way we're going to live in this place with alligators. And they lost a deposit on their house, and they decided to move to Vegas instead. Oh, no. Wow. They moved to Vegas, and about a year later, they took my grandparents with them, and we were like, you know what? We need to go be with the family. So we just followed the family out there. It had almost nothing to do with Vegas itself. Amazing. That's awesome. And you got involved with entertainment in Vegas? Kind of. Not really. I was, you know, I worked at a clothing store. I delivered pizzas, but there was a guy at the store I worked. I worked at a store called Miller's Outpost. It was like no, a, a, Levi's and yeah. stuff. Yeah. And this stuff. guy worked at the college radio station. I was in high school. And he said, you know, you're funny. You'd be good on the radio. And I thought, oh, I'd love to be on the radio. And he made a call and he got me in a meeting with the program director. And then they... They didn't hire me, but they, you know, they let me do a half-hour interview show on Sunday nights, and I would do the show and go home. And my parents had listened, and they were very excited. And I just really got turned on by you know the idea that people were listening to a show that I was hosting, and that's when I decided I wanted to be in radio, which is where I started. Wow! Was that before or after ASU? That was before. I was in high school. At this oh, time. really? Then I went to UNLV for a year, and then I went to Arizona State. Which has a great broadcasting program, correct? It does. I wasn't really a part of that, and it didn't really have anything to do with... But yeah, they do have a solid broadcasting program. Yeah. You just had to drive. This is what I want to do. Huh? I just got excited. I just loved it. I didn't even think of it as, like, what am I going to do for a living? I just wanted to be on the radio, and I started listening to Howard Stern, and my uncle would send me tapes from New York, and I loved Howard Stern, and I loved David Letterman. And so I just started doing it, and I lived in – I got fired from my college radio job. I got a job in Phoenix. I got fired from that job. I got a job in Seattle. I got fired from that job. <laughs> I moved to – I then moved back in with my parents in Phoenix, moved to Tampa, Florida, got fired from that job, moved to Palm Springs. I did not get fired from that job. I then got another job in Tucson, got fired from that job. What were you, hey, what were you doing that you're getting fired, yeah. man? I was doing basically the same stuff that I do now, but it wasn't appreciated. Like, I didn't have any respect for, like, my bosses, and I didn't understand that you had to be diplomatic and... I would make fun of them. I would tape meetings in which they'd yell at us and then play them back on the air the next morning. Uh, sometimes I'd call their wives or girlfriends at home to get information about them and then share on the air. <laughs> you know? I'd do Christ. crazy things. And then I couldn't understand why I would, I'd been fired. But I always thought the boss understood that he was there to be mocked. And that was you know what people wanted to hear. You're driving to work. You want to hear some guy fucking with his boss. I mean, you know, it's fun. But they never liked it at all. And so I got fired. And then I got a job at K-Rock here in L.A. And I worked there for five years. And that's when, living in L.A., being on the radio, I would get phone calls from television producers saying, hey, uh, you know, why don't you come in and audition for this or whatever? And it never really occurred to me that I might be on television. But I just did it because I wanted to make extra money. And so I went and auditioned for a couple of things. And I wound up on a game show called Win, Win Ben's, Ben's Nights Money. money which was on Comedy Central. And from there, we pitched them The Man Show, and I did football picks on Fox, and um, then I wound up getting the show. The fucking Man Show, dude. Those guys used to live on my block. Really? Jimmy did? No. 
Who lived on your block? Ben Stein. Oh, ben, ben Stein. Stein. Oh, that's right. You guys were neighbors, right? That's so what a funny. neighborhood. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Uh, did you ever stop by or hang out? No, but we passed each other on the, on the street, going to the store all the time. Yeah, the corner store. I see him in the corner store. <laughs> Hello. Yes. Yeah. Ben's Ben's good. Jimmy, do you feel like if you had been diplomatic throughout your radio career, you'd be where you are now? No, I think what would have happened, weirdly, is I would have kept those jobs and probably still been in Tampa or something. Yeah. yeah, You know? Yeah. And so it worked out. It definitely wasn't my plan. It wasn't any stroke of genius. It just so happened to be. And the truth is, when I got the job in L.A., I could have... You know, I may, I could have been anywhere. You just happen to be in L.A. If I was in another big market like um, Chicago or something, you know, maybe that nobody, no TV producers are listening to the show, and I never get that phone call. So, absolutely, a lot of luck was involved. I always tell people, I said, no, I'm sometimes I'm not steering the ship. Somebody's steering the ship for me. Cause yeah, there's no way I could have accomplished the things I did. I'm not smart enough. It's it's you know, luck is a huge part of it, and anyone who tells you differently is full of themselves. You just have to be ready when the luck but strikes. The harder you work, the luckier you are. That's yeah. right. And and the most more you make of the opportunities for sure. Like with you boxing, like there's no luck involved, right? I mean, it's No, the harder you work, the luckier you become. Yeah. The only luck you might have is that you get judges who judge the fight properly. Uh, you know, I don't but know. Sometimes you're fighting. Not in getting fight. injured. Sometimes you're fighting. I don't know. Did it happen in football? Sometimes you're fighting in a fight. You hit a guy. And you say, I didn't hit that guy that hard. And the guy's out cold. Yeah. Did it ever happen in football? You say, no, no way. That guy's faking. He didn't hit him that hard. Yeah. That's definitely not happened to me in my profession. <laughs> <laughs> I've never no, had that did experience. You, ever do this? So you said a joke and the whole people just died. And I said, that joke's not that fucking funny. <laughs> oh, all the time. <laughs> Every night. No, I'm serious. I'm not. I'm being serious. There are nights where I go out and I feel like I have great jokes and they don't get a good yeah. response. And there are nights I go out and I have jokes that are not so great that do get a good response. Said, what the fuck is wrong with these people? And it's uh, it's interesting. There's just uh, you just you just have to. Yeah, you you gotta, don't understand. It's the same way in sports. How, how did that punch? Did that punch hit him? No way. That punch didn't hit him. Then you see in the film he got hit by the punch. Yeah. Whoa! No fucking way. <laughs> That's because you hit him perfectly. We just yeah. went through him. I don't know. It's, it's Sometimes it's almost like the violence. Like, wow, I didn't even throw the punch with no accuracy. No, it's just, it's just boom. It's when it happened. And you say, how did that happen? Mm. Yeah. You know. Who who was it you were fighting where you said you hit him and you were like, fuck, I just killed that guy? Yeah. That was that. Yeah, you felt like you missed him. I thought I missed the punch. Yeah. The guy was just out cold. It's <laughs> <laughs> insane. Do you take pleasure watching the those moments from your fights where you knock a guy out cold? Not anymore. Not anymore, really. No. Because I once hit a home run in a celebrity softball Did game. Did you really? And it was on ESPN, and I hit it over the fence. I've probably watched it a thousand times. I loved it. I can't stop watching it. Yeah. I, I get so much pleasure from it. No way. <laughs> I watch it. No I'll, you know, there was a year or maybe two years on my show where – any time I went to a clip for any guest, I would accidentally go to that clip. <laughs> I would rather watch us on film from all our old clips. Really? Then watch that. Show. Yeah, watch that stuff. Hmm. Yeah. Mike, I got to tell you something. I'm going to make it come back into the NFL. <laughs> I know. I know. It's crazy. I don't know. I don't know if I'm in NFL football shape, but... 
you know, everything we talk about, man, it's just like, you know, living your truth and the, the will of the universe. And I just feel like I'm being pulled back into football, man. I don't think we can do the podcast anymore. Mike? Mike? What's up, brother? How you doing? You talking to me? You're wearing the Raycon wireless earbuds. They're so stylish and discreet, I didn't even notice them. It is Raycons are so small, I don't even know they're in either, but I hear them really well. Aren't they half the price of premium earbuds? That's what I hear. <laughs> it's 2019. Everyone needs a great pair of wireless earbuds. But before you drop hundreds of dollars on a pair, check out the wireless earbuds from Raycon. Raycon's E50 are half the price of other premium wireless earbuds. Half the price. That's not a mistake. Your inferior headphones you are listening to right now are not playing tricks on you. Raycon E50s are half the price of other premium wireless earbuds, and they sound just as amazing. Go to buyraycon.com slash Tyson to get 15% off Raycon wireless earbuds. If you've been eyeing a pair, now is the time to get an amazing deal. Go to buyraycon.com forward slash Tyson for 15% off. When was the first time you guys met? Now tell me about that, Jimmy. Shit, I don't know. I was probably too wasted to remember. The first time we actually met. I mean, I was involved when I was on the radio in a couple of... Uh, press conferences where I was amongst a sea of people. but um, So we didn't really meet them. But the first time we met, I think was, I think it was at the show. I think it was, really? yeah, I think that was the first time that we really met. What year was that? that 2003? Was 2003, yeah. Wow. Early 2003, for sure, yeah. But I'd been following you. In fact, I remember well, I, was, I was in rehab doing the show, though. <laughs> oh, really? I was um, on. I was a sports guy at K Rock, as I mentioned, and we were off the the Vander Holyfield fight. Yeah, that was a Saturday night. Uh, we were off the next. We were off the next week. Uh, the show was dark, and we cherished our vacations. We only got two vacation weeks a year. But I was so charged up after watching that fight that I called the radio station. I said, I know nobody else is there, but I'm coming in. <laughs> and I guess I had to be on the air to talk about that fight and what had happened. And I did a whole thing. I used to do an imitation of you. and I do Get did, the fuck out of oh, here. Oh, my God. Let's hear it. I, uh, you know, I just for a minute I I thought he was a, I thought he was a chocolate bunny, and I just decided to take a little nibble out of his ear, and then I took another nibble out of his other ear. Oh. It was something like that, and uh, oh, it was pretty awesome. yeah, it was really, it was Solid. one of the things in my life. You know, you like those moments that you feel like oh, you know, like I remember when Elvis died, and I remember you know, you remember these big moments. That's one of them to me, That when that happened in that fight. And what is most remarkable to me is not, because I could see maybe in the heat of the battle, the first time he nipped him, on, but it's to me really is that it happened twice, that he did it twice. Well, it tastes good. <laughs> <laughs> and I saw Vander about six months ago, and he's got a real good sense of humor about the whole really thing. Does. As soon, In fact, as soon as I saw him, I go, hold on, let me check it out. <laughs> I looked up, looked at it at both of his ears, and he just started laughing. You know, People do that to him all the time. They want to look at his ears. Yeah, I bet. Well, it was in the heat of the battle, man. 
You know? I know, I know, I know. I can't Shit relate happens. to that, but uh, but I love it. Well, you get pretty, you get into some pretty heated debates and arguments, especially with the. But there's no curves. biting. There's never. Yeah, any. <laughs> there's never any physicality, yeah, any right. physical violence. Fortunately, yes. The that's, bite is the bite. Is the, it's not the bite that actually counts, actually, but it's the feeling of the bite. You still have the same feeling, if even if it's just an emotional fucking scar or something. Somebody insulted you or something. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I for me, I enjoy fighting in that way. I I like it. You know, I like those roast type situations where you're kind of going back and forth. I feel like if you were to spend time with my family, you would understand why, because there's a lot of uh, just kind of making fun of each other that goes on. And there are a lot of insults thrown around. And so it feels very natural to me. It feels familial. Yeah, well, you know, you talking about your path, your non-diplomatic approach Yes, yeah. But you were really just being yourself. And not, and again, not by any kind of, not, no master right, plan, right. no smarts involved. I specifically remember I was hosting a game show, and it was like in an office. You know, we were practicing, or we were just rehearsing, and I saw this other guy. There were two game shows going at the same time, and there was this guy... And he was really good. He was very smooth, and he looked good. And like I was wearing like my father-in-law's sport jacket, you know, and it was too big on me. I looked stupid, and he was really good. And I just thought, oh, I can't do. I can. I'll never be as good as he is at this. And I'd better just just go up there as myself and not even try to be a, a host. And that has not being able to do that was a great gift for me because if I was able to do that, maybe I would have become one of those guys who winds up hosting the Miss America pageant every year. Right. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's why your show is so awesome. For so long. Well, a lot of it's luck, but, you know, a lot of it's just pushing a rock up the hill. Yeah. That's most of it. It's just grinding, working hard. Every night you're on, every night. You just have that fear of bombing. That <laughs> yes, still, yeah. still yeah. fights as well. Mm-hmm. That fear of failing. Fear Ooh, of failing man. is the greatest thing for motivating Ooh, me. Anyway, fear of failing. Forget what people they say and think about what you're going to say and think about yourself. Yeah, that's the real. That's the real bomber right there. When you throw something out there that you think is really funny and nobody laughs. How does uh, that feel? You train as hard as you train in sport and did everything. Right, right. And fought the, fought, the, fought the fight of your life and you didn't win. How can I lose? I did everything. Mm. What's wrong? Yeah. yeah everybody goes through that at some point. I think so. Or maybe not. I don't know. Maybe, yeah, maybe not. Maybe people don't. Most people probably don't pick one thing and work that hard at it, you know. Because obviously it's very specific what you do and what I do, but you know, most people's thing. jobs. It's the same thing. The, the, pain, the pain of failing. Yeah, the but, same pain. You don't get hit a punch, but and I get beat up every round and knocked out. The same pain. Yeah, you succeeding in what you believed you were the best in. But most people are able to hide. Most people's failures aren't on uh, pay per view. So yeah, you know, uh, for no, most your, people, your they world, don't. Your world is in your head. Yeah, pay per view is in your head when you feel in your show and you think only ten thousand people. That's your world. Yeah, that's your pay per view. The same punishment. It's none. It's none like it's the same equal. Yeah, maybe so. I don't know. I always look at those big moments and I go, I cannot screw this up. I have to do everything I possibly can 
to make sure that I'm prepared and I'm going to be funny, like hosting the Oscars or something like that. It's like that's, I guess, my version of like a fight, you know. And subconsciously, you ask a lot of help from God too. That you know, we do a lot of that. You know, it's, without even thinking about it, we do that. Right. Yeah. And from from anyone, <laughs> from God, from my writers, from uh, the audience. That's the big thing you can't control. It's like you just, you know, you can be ready. You just don't know how it's going to be received. You have no idea. I don't know. When I did my show and it, just, and it, got, uh, it was received well, I said, wow, is that funny? Is that good? I, you don't understand people, mm. you know? Yeah. And, yeah, you don't. It's funny because to the audience, they're like, oh, this is great. Mike Tyson's telling stories about his life. But to you, it's like, all right, is anyone going to be interested in a yeah, story I'm about my life? This. I'm tired of I want to do a new show now. I don't yeah. want to do this one no more. Yeah. Yeah, you think that. And that insecurity, of course, is always there, I think, in the vast majority of people. Like, we do our show in Brooklyn every, every October. You know, we'll travel in New York. And the first time we went, I was really worried because we had a big venue. It was like 5,000 seats or something. And I was like, are we going to be able to, like, is who, you know, are people going to care to come? There are all these other talk shows in New York. You know, there's a million things to do. It's not like, there, there. It's it's New York. It's the biggest city. It's the most exciting city in the world. Is anybody going to come to this? And then that first night, there were thousands of people in line to come to the show, and I was just like, I was more than anything. I was relieved. I was like, Oh, oh thank, thank God, because <laughs> you know? I could just imagine being in a half-empty room and being like, Oh fuck, such nobody likes me. Yeah, fuck. Yeah, it's but it never goes away. I mean. That time we've been doing the show for 13 years or something, you know, it still is the kind of thing that I think about. So what do you think? You think, um, do you think it's the Howard Power steering your ship? Well, no, I am, I am a religious that? person yeah. and I do, you know, I, I do believe in a higher power and I believe that whatever religion we decide to affiliate ourselves with that ultimately the most important thing is being kind to other people. And I think that's, you know that's that's number one and number one through ten I think in any uh, religion. So um, I I do feel like that and I do pray and I do that kind of stuff. I wouldn't say that I don't go to church every week. I and mean, there was a time in my life that I did do that. But I do think that um, that there's that if you behave, if you are a good person, that your life will be better. So what do you think about? Um when you no longer exist, what do you think about that? You know, I've been thinking about it a lot lately. And um, I think I very much want to believe that there's a, an, a heaven and afterlife. And, and I hope that I will be judged well. Uh, but why do you feel you're going to be judged for something? Well, I grew up Catholic. And yeah. there's that, ju- you know, there's that's the whole thing. You know, you're going to be judged when you enter those pearly gates and if you were good you're going to go to heaven and if you're bad you're going to hell that's like that's what i grew up believing and being told and it you know it's, it's an appealing thought because it you do want there to be some reward for not being totally self-centered and and greedy and and all of those things so but i don't know that just because we want something to be true, that it is. But I did figure this out. And I think this is a, to me, this was a revelation, and I'm not sure I'll be able to express it properly. 
But like, for instance, I have a lot of stuff. Like I have a lot of mementos that I've saved over the years, you know, pictures and this and that and whatever. And I'm always like, well, what am I going to do with this stuff? I don't want to lose it. I have to store it, but it can't be in the middle. You know, what, what, what do I do with this stuff? And then I think about when I die, whatever happens, whether there's an afterlife or there's none or whatever, it doesn't matter. Like if I were to die today and, you know, a lot of people would say he never got the chance to just kind of retire and go fishing like he wanted to. He never got a chance to do that. To them, that will be an issue. To me, it won't because the lights will be out. And so I've learned to not really worry about it because whatever happens, that moment you die, it's not your problem anymore. I don't know if that makes any sense. It makes sense. I'm not even high, and I. <laughs> I think it would make more sense. sense if I was high. But when the lights are out, you know, whatever's on the other side or isn't, it makes no difference. You're not here anymore. And here's another thing: Do you believe in ghosts? Do I believe in ghosts? I could, yeah, I could believe in ghosts. I probably feel the same way. I don't. I wouldn't say with a hundred percent certainty. What's your I definition of a ghost? Like the traditional spirit that like lives in the house, you know. Sure, I can vibe on that. If there was such a thing as ghosts, wouldn't hospitals be just full of them? Like, wouldn't every hospital have a million ghosts in it? I think some are. Maybe so. (laughs) Those are not the ones I want to spend the night in. (laughs) No, absolutely not. But well, there's so much. There's a lot of stories about nurses and doctors talking about the spirits they see. Mm-hmm. During yeah, during their hospital hours, like seeing somebody walk through a hall, and then you know losing sight of that person, and then going to check on a certain room, and that person being deceased. So having seen that spirit come in, you know whatever it was, I would love to see something like that. I really would. Because I, I believe we reach we reach a heights potential when we no longer exist. I can, we have to be tired of here talking about ourselves in our head. We have to be thinking about ourselves all the time. Don't you get tired? Don't you want to kill that? But shut the fuck up, already, right, motherfucker. <laughs> talk about somebody else, okay? <laughs> talk about somebody else. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Interesting. I'm not sure I have that same thought, but um, that is interesting. You have that. You get tired of thinking about yourself. Yeah. Well, it's all there is. It's probably good, by the way. It's probably good quality. Because people who think about nothing but themselves generally aren't great people. Now, listen, but when you think about yourself, you see all your flaws. And really, you're insignificant. And what is my purpose of even being here? But you should see all your flaws so that you can be aware of them and improve. I think the worst people like don't see any of their flaws. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. That's a quality. We were talking about it yesterday, Mike. You know, I think that's a very important quality for a human being to be aware of your thoughts and your behavior. Why did I get behavior. my thought? Where did my thought come from? Where's my thought to think that I need to be thought, thought about it, think to be seen? That I'm special or something. Where did that thought come from? Yeah. I come from nothing. My parents come from nothing. Why would I even think that I'm something? And then the brain is, it's, we, we don't know anything about our brains, really. Like, yeah. even just dreaming is it's such a strange thing. And it, it's so random. And it just seems like maybe our brain is trying to prepare us for 
other situations while we're sleeping. And it can go from like, you can have, you can be dreaming about like you, you see somebody on television and then you're having sex with that person. And then one second later, your grandparents are sitting on the couch watching it. And you're like, grandma, what are you doing here? And then you start crying because you miss your grandmother. And it's just like, what the fuck is going on in there? Yeah. I mean, well, that's a really interesting thing. Dreams to waking reality. And how do we even know the difference between the two? I mean, we go to sleep at night and when you wake up the next day, I don't know. How do you know you're actually awake? How do you know we're... How do you know this is real right now? How do you know this is real? And then another thing is, I was listening to... Uh, you ever listen to Alan Watts? No. Alan Watts is amazing. Alan Watts is incredible. So he was talking about how the only reason we can differentiate between memories and the present moment is there's a different synapse that happens in our brains. But otherwise... It's really difficult or not difficult, but the lines get very blurred between our memories of our life and what's happening in the present moment, you know, because many memories that we have can be as clear as the day that we're in and the present moment we're in. And what he says about that is that leads you into this understanding of time as being nonlinear. You know, and everything is really happening at once. It's just the way our brain structures time and consciousness that we experience it in this linear fashion. I hope people are stoned when they're listening to this because I think they really will be able to get into it if they are. You know? Yeah. No, really, it's just um, it's a perspective because you reach a certain ages. Um, <laughs> like you say, at this age, you start to really question your mortality. Yeah, yeah. You think about it, but I'm I've. Tr- I'm trying not to worry about it. What I don't like is not being able to read a menu in a restaurant. Those are the times where my age will bother me when I can't like see. Because your eyesight is yeah, going. Yeah, and that's that's some serious. That's serious. Yeah. Like, oh, I'm like a, I'm like a, I'm nothing more than a baseball glove that you know you buy it and you're nine years old and it's shiny and new and then you break it in and it gets to a point where it's kind of perfect and then it starts getting hard and um and the laces start breaking and you want to you restring it but it's never quite the same and then you throw it in the garbage (laughs) you know and that's us we're just like a piece of leather yeah baking in in the sun in many ways this this meat vehicle that we're inhabiting for yeah. the moment, it is. It's like a There's an expiration leather. date. Absolutely. Yeah. Have you ever thought about what compels you to do the work that you do? What is it that in your spirit that you're just able to project your truth at all times, whatever that might be? I just, I don't, I don't really know the answer. I mean, it's a very good question. I don't know what compels me. I think probably... It's a, it's a lot of things. I think like for – I mean there was a point in my life where I had no money at all and that's what compel- – like, I was like, oh, I have to work on this. I have to get this going. I have to try to put this pitch together just to be able to support my family really. I was going to say, what did that money make you feel like? That made you feel like a man that, that that's what you need to be a man in the family and rule the family and stuff? Yeah, for sure. It definitely – I think – it's something that is expected of you when you're a 
a boy and then you become a man. And I got married very young. I got married, I was 20 years old. And I was suddenly in a situation where I'd never made really more than like, you know, $75 a day, you know, and I had to, and my ex-wife worked also, but then we had kids not long afterwards. And I embarked on this career that got me, you know, I got fired a lot of times. And like, it sounds funny and it sounds fun when I list all the places I worked and got fired, but it wasn't funny or fun at that time because I'd actually have to pack the house and move to another city. With a whole family. Yeah, with kids. It wasn't just you. It wasn't just me. Yeah. And that's hard to explain to your wife sometimes, and it's hard to explain to your parents sometimes, and sometimes people start going like, so what's you know like what's the plan B you know like and he, he, that's when I would re- I'd be like there's no plan B <laughs> right. there's only a plan A there are no other letters in the plan and so I always just thought like that and I don't know why but I think part of it is you just enjoy the attention you get from being funny in class and that was something I always loved you know screwing around with my friends being funny and you like that that feeling and then when somebody actually pays you to do that it's a very powerful combination mm. and you want that attention and you want that uh that feedback that you get and all of those things i found to be very rewarding and i you know i think you know that's ultimately if i had to boil it down to anything i love making i love the feeling of making people laugh yeah and then that just kind of all these other things came from that. I think that tying that to something you said about your own spirituality of being kind, one through ten, I think making people laugh and spreading joy is definitely a form of kindness. And you can do it on a massive scale, man, you know? Well, that's what's great, you know? It's, it really makes you feel like, like, oh, I'm, I must be real. I must be funny. <laughs> I know this makes me sound like an asshole, but I once walked in. It's all good, brother. I walked into my house, and, you know, I have a nice house, and I looked around, and I went, wow, I must be very funny. <laughs> that's a I mean, nice they gave moment. me this house for it. Yeah. You know? Yeah, it's weird. It's, hey, I yeah. Think the same thing. Life yeah, right. is weird. <laughs> it's the same thing. Life is weird, man. What am I doing here? Yeah, how did this happen? You live in LA? I do, yeah. So, what do you think about the booming cannabis industry? Oh, man, go ahead and tell me what you think. I it's I you know, I remember going to Amsterdam and being so excited that oh. it was just there for purchase. And it is, I think, it's still exciting, you know, and maybe that will wear off and like in like 15 years, people will be like, yeah, of course, you can just go and buy whatever you want. But every once in a while, I'll go into one of these shops and I just can't believe it. It's like, yeah. oh, look at this. You know what we had to do to get this stuff? You had to know a guy who yeah. knew a guy. And Downtown. Like, yeah, you have to meet him in a so, parking lot so somewhere. To, especially if somebody had to get it for you. It took so fucking long to do the exchange and shit. Oh, yeah, dude. Yeah, and, and um, I don't know that I'll ever get over that. And now I have a plant in my backyard, and I'll, I grow it. And I love that, too. That's you know? awesome. The idea that you can just grow it. And grow your yard. own. It's like, you know, it's pretty great, really. Yeah. And I feel the same way about vegetables, by the way, but even more so about 
being able to like just grow it. And it's like, oh, there it comes out of the ground. And yeah, of course. What kind of vegetables? Nightingales? Um, well, I grow, <laughs> I grow tomatoes. And, uh, <laughs> you know some nightingale vegetables are poisonous? Nightshade vegetables, nightshade. right? Yeah, Nightshades. Right. <laughs> yeah, what, like eggplant is supposed to be no good for you? Peppers? Right? Peppers are peppers. peppers are shaky. Some of them are shaky. Mm-hmm. Some of them are shaky. Yeah, I figure anything that comes out of the ground's got to be okay. I mean, I'm, well, yeah. for the most part, yeah, yeah. better yeah. than the meat that we're eating, huh? Yeah, yeah, definitely better than that. Yeah, but not that I've stopped. But <laughs> yeah, the yeah. processes are just fucked up of industrial meat. You know, got to see what they do yes. to before they give it to us. God, we're savages. Yeah, yeah, I have mixed feelings about eating meat in general, but I do always try to uh, f- make sure it's. You know, humanely raised or you know, and all of those things yeah. that, that I think actually make for a better piece of of meat. <laughs> Absolutely, you know, I agree with you on that. But ultimately, you're still killing the animal. I mean, there's no question about it. Yeah, Mike is vegan. Yes, yeah, and he's been slowly turning me, man. I mean, I'm no, still convinced you need to eat meat to keep your muscle mass on, but. I don't know. What do you need your muscle mass? I know. For? I know. As I get older yeah, yeah, and yeah, I hang out yeah, with you yeah, more, Mike, I'm like. state of war or something? Yeah, I know. Am I getting ready for battle still? I don't know. I don't know. But. Well, what are you. Like, in what way? Are you just eating less meat or are you. Eating less meat. Sticking with fish now? Le- yeah. Uh huh. Much more fish and chicken and. Um, Why turkey. do you think it is that people are. Like, if you just look at, like. One cow feeds, yeah, whatever, 400 people. One fish feeds one or two people. Why do you think people who are vegans uh, or, you know, or vegetarians or on their way there, will, a lot of them will still eat fish specifically? It's a good question. I don't know. I guess. If they have to, it really comes down to this. What reason are you a vegan? Yeah. Yeah, that's a big part of it. And what reason are you a vegan? Um, mostly from health reasons. And when I'm not a vegan, um, I get overweight. I, I can't shit right. I get constipated. I'm mm-hmm. miserable. My moods. I'm depressed. So yeah, I don't. I don't. I don't do well. You feel better when you're. Yes, I feel 100. percent Oh man, I got. Oh, praise be to God. Yeah, I feel better. And you? I have. You know, from years of playing football and, you know, really crazy relationships with food. You know, I played in the NFL for six years, offensive line, and I was 328 when I left the league, eating three massive meals a day, all the meat I could possibly eat. And, you know, I really felt slowed down, obviously, when I came out of the league. I felt nauseated to eat you know i hated eating at that point huh and i did a lot of things i do a lot of fasting intermittent fasting i'm down to about 250 now i did a lot of ketogenic which is high fat but um you know meat i have a brother who's a vegan and he's been preaching to me for years just about the practices he's like yeah do whatever you want you know Um, for me, it's, I don't, I'm not convinced of the health benefits of being a vegan yet. Um, I don't think that meat is as bad for you health wise as vegans would like to argue. 
Um, but to me, the one thing is that somewhere along the line, I just became a massive animal lover and appreciator of nature. And the idea of if you're like me and you believe that other animals are conscious creatures and have an experience, feeling, and emotion, you know, maybe they don't have the same brain capacity as us to, to fucking do all the shit that we do. But, you know, without a doubt, animals are conscious. And so you can't deny that when a cow sees that it's approaching this place where his buddies have never come back from, there's a lot of fear hormones being pumped, a lot of adrenaline, a lot of cortisol, you know, these, these hormones that are fight or flight hormones. So as this animal is approaching death, its flesh is just being infused with all of these fear hormones. Then it's killed and then it's cut up and it's processed and all the meat gets packaged up and sent to us. And then we cook it. It's like, where did all that go? Do we really think that that's just gone? Do we think that those hormones never touch the piece of flesh that we're eating? I think we always need to be aware of what we put into our bodies. And I look at food from another perspective, diet, and I look at it from a spiritual perspective. Yeah. You know what I mean? You give up a little, you give up a little, the more you give up, you want to be, you want to improve as a person. And then you think, the more I get up, how will I, how will I get closer to God? The most I give up, the closer I get to God. Is, is it a sacrifice, you feel? Absolutely. It's yes. a purification. Absolutely. Do you sacrifice in other ways as well? Do you feel like, like fasting for some people you know, is a uh, way of getting closer to God? And I think of giving everything up. Even eating? Yeah. <laughs> well, you got to eat at some point, right? I mean, talking about, when I talk about food, I'm talking about grain and stuff, like basically what I eat now. Grains? Yeah. Now, why would you beans. give up grains and beans? No. It's, it's just my spiritual journey. Uh-huh. And I wouldn't give it up. I would not give up my grains and my beans. But you think about it? No, never. Oh. Oh, okay. Never. Yeah. No, okay. Yeah, I was going to say, if you're not eating grains and beans, what's left? That happens to be the essential. Pure vegetables. That would be the essential. Just black. vegetables, no. yeah. Beans and grain and beans are the pure essence of it. Yeah. Seeds. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we go we go fucking crazy here, Jimmy. Uh, yeah, a lot of people smoke and they get uh, Cheetos and shit. And <laughs> I know. We <laughs> order just a talk, pizza. <laughs> no Cheetos, man. Have you heard about Dwink? I, I, this is the first I'm hearing about it. Oh, man. Dude, it's unbelievable. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. That's a CBD okay. water. Let me ask you guys about CBD because yeah. I'm interested in this. Like, do you want Does it one? really do anything? Yeah. You think so? Absolutely, man. Absolutely. No. You think about Everyone says, yeah. But Definitely. I, like, I get the the stuff you rub on your back and whatever, and it's like, oh, yeah, it feels good for a second, but then I like, hey, I get the same thing from, like, Ben Gay or whatever, you know? I wonder how much of it is psychosomatic. Well, this is God. Well, the reason it works is because we have this endocannabinoid system in our body. Yeah, break it down, buddy. So we have a whole system in our body, the endocannabinoid system, which produces endogenous cannabinoids, the same chemical compounds found in cannabis, CBD, THC, all that stuff. And why our body produces it or has an endocannabinoid system is because it creates homeostasis. 
It regulates our system. What the fuck is that? Right? Our yeah, no, I'm pretending I understand what you're <laughs> what saying the here. Fuck is that? <laughs> it helps keep us in balance. It regulates your appetite, your mood, your how you feel and deal with pain. Uh, how much of it should you, like? Do you take CBD every day? I do. Yeah. I mean, I also smoke weed every day. Mm-hmm. Do you give um, it to? Is there CBD in like a joint? There is. There's a certain level of it. Yeah. Like, you know, you make some pot brownies and like you have no idea how potent they are <laughs> yeah. because you cooked them in a you know in your kitchen and you're like, good luck to everyone. Uh, yeah. It's time to eat these. And see then, you later. And then some people like would lose their minds, you yeah. know. But I don't see that happening anymore now that we're buying it. It's still, it happening. Is still happening. Yeah, I don't eat nothing. Yeah, I don't do any edibles. Do no edibles. edibles are Ooh. tough, man. Yeah, you don't interesting. Know who's Activate and the you thing with edibles hour, is boom, you explode. Oh God, what's happening? You had a party, an event. What the? I figured out how to handle edibles when yeah. it get, gets too much, and that's this. And this is is I, I think this. is a great tip. I love this for anyone who who goes too far. You just have to remind yourself. You have to tell yourself in fifteen minutes it's going to be okay. Yeah. Just imagine you're on a roller coaster or something, and you tip. know it's going to be over. And if you can tell yourself that, it'll be it'll be okay. You'll That'll be immediately okay. calm you down. I can't take it. I can't take and it. You'll be there. Really, Mike? No, I can't take a brownie. That it's just fu- that's the thing that sends you fucking out. Oh, it has me scared. I can't go back. I miss what the fuck is going on. That's oh. interesting. Yeah, I can't do it. I didn't start smoking until I was in my 30s. Really, you know, I tried it a couple of times yeah. when I was younger. But one of the first ta- times I smoked like a high grade joint was with Mike. <laughs> really? After the show, <laughs> and I that. was completely out of my mind. Well, like, you- I, I was completely out of my mind afterwards. Yeah. I aim to please. <laughs> I um, I, and I know I shouldn't have done this, but I got in my car and I oh, had to go no. host a charity event Holy afterwards. Shit. And I was driving like ten miles an hour. <laughs> I was on the four hundred five, driving like ten miles an hour, and I got there and I was like, oh fuck! <laughs> and somehow I got through it. I was like, oh Jesus Christ! Holy that shit. was not the. Uh, oh. That was not the pot of my youth, no. for sure. Yeah. Oh, man. See, there you go. That's what I'm talking about. You know? <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. It's awesome. Jimmy, t- explain something. What, what is it? When it's all over and you think it's in, what, what do you want that picture to look like, mm. like of Jimmy Kimball? When it's all over? Yeah. You mean personally? Yeah, personally. Not dead. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess, you know, I think about like, like my grandfather was a very funny guy and beloved by all, and I think that's how I would like to be remembered. Yeah, yeah. like with like my grandchildren be like, "Oh, grandpa was so funny," you know that. That's I think that would be the best way to be remembered. And then the other stuff is, you know, it's, the career stuff is all great and it's fun and it, it's rewarding. But that's the most. I think that's like if if you want to have one legacy for me that's it to be like that that's awesome i think that's very awesome yeah how do you like your dwink it's good it tastes like water it's water (laughs) right it's awesome yeah this one is this one's got some flavor in it there's a little bit Can of... Can I taste one of the flavor ones? Yeah, the absolutely. flavor ones may need to be there's tapped. There's a mixed berry. Like. There's pineapple, orange, or you got watermelon. 
Which should I try? try? Whichever one you want. Go for it, man. I'll try the watermelon. Yeah. There you go. That appeals to me. Well, you and Mike have done a lot over the years. Yes. Right? Yeah. And that's very nice, actually. It's nice. It is good, yeah. I really like it. It's nice. And that's CBD I do. I wouldn't, is just... I wouldn't tamper with this one at all. Okay. Nice. Excellent. For we played basketball together. We played basketball. We once got in the ring together, and I wanted to spar a little, and Mike said... Uh, you know what? I like you too much to do that, and <laughs> he declined. I, I was I like, "Come that. on! I just want just hit me once. I want to know what it feels like." He said, uh, "That's not a good idea." <laughs> you were smarter you than me. Yeah. Good guys, Jimmy. <laughs> yeah, dude. And um, yeah, we did a lot of. We've sung together. We've um, we sung quite a few times. Yeah, we've we. I always enjoy my time with you, and I, I most guests, you know, it's. You talk about the project and whatever, but I always love to hear your take on on things because I think you have uh, a lot of wisdom, and I think you've um, you, you've lived, you've had s- experiences in life that almost no one else has. And I kind of agree with yeah. that. Yeah, and and there and to be able to draw from those is so in- it's just so much fun to talk to you it really is and i've always been a fan i mean I, you know as a, a fighter you know i just i remember you at like 19 years old on the cover of sports illustrated kid dynamite and you remember that stuff oh yeah and i still probably have that and we would get so excited to see you come out with no socks on and just no bullshit and just come out and just just knock the fuck out of somebody <laughs> and um you know growing up in vegas boxing was important to me and uh and then to kind of to get to know your personality and to see your evolution um from going from being a guy who was you know whose job it was to beat people up to this what was that all about right yeah, well, I mean, it's it's it it seems so different from you in a lot of ways. It's like it's hard to sometimes I have to remind myself that you're the same person, that same kid who was yeah, you know exactly because you are a gentle person. Yeah, ultimately, and um, and that's I think unusual in in this world for sure. I think in life, I think um, I'm, I'm going to talk about. In life, I'm talking about everybody. I'm talking about the the Gnostics, the non-believers, and whatever. Um, whoever uses religion or God for whatever their purpose, their own agenda, it comes a time in their life and they start to question their mortality and they say, well, why am I thinking like this? What's causing me to think like this? Why am I who I am? Why yeah, do, why do most I people lie? don't why do, do that. I do this? No, you don't think so? No. I, and wow, I think man, you've I'm been doing go, it. Oh, I think you've been doing it for a long time, and I think it's um, it's important to to do that. You know, I think that's that's I can kind of almost remember. I think when you started thinking in that way, and um, and it's great. You know, I think it's 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 a, a great example for people. I think we need to get. I think my my opinion, of course. And nobody else has to really listen. That we, if we don't get to know who we are, I just think it's a wasted life. Just have try to have an idea of who we are. I don't think we ever really get the the answer. I mean, one of the things I remember about Mike that really made a, a huge impression on me is there was a time, like the first few years when we were doing the show, where. 
we had an idea to do a roast, a Mike Tyson roast on pay-per-view. Mm-hmm. And, like, we approached somebody about it, and they were like, yeah, yeah, this could make, you know, whatever, a huge amount of money, a huge amount of money. And I went to Mike, and I said, hey, you know, you know, I was thinking about you, and I was thinking, like, at that time, I think things weren't, like, going so well financially. And I said, hey, let's do this, and you can make, you know, I, I, I think it was, like, $20 million or something like that. And Mike said... You know what? I've had a lot of money, and I've not had not so much money, and I like myself better when I don't have a lot of money. Fuck yeah! I did say that. And he said I, I, that he didn't want to do that because he didn't want the money. And I was like, "Wow, that's that's pretty heavy, you know? Yeah. That's rare." Yeah. And um, and I, I respected it and appreciated it, and and we didn't do it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I've heard Mike say that. It would have been so easy. I mean, it would have been yeah. you sit here for huge. two hours. Yeah, my money, my money, money brings out my demons. Yeah, I'm scared of my demons. Yeah. Well, it's good that you know that. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And now we're building this cannabis empire, oh, this buddy. So and awesome. I mean, you could do it the right way this time. This is so awesome. So I, these plans you guys have are unbelievable. <laughs> I mean, it's unbelievable. Pretty badass. It's crazy. And it just gets, you know, the vision grows all the time. The vision is bigger than Disneyland now. Oh, yeah. It's (laughs) it's awesome. We put together this really badass Dwink commercial. Oh, check this out, man. All right. And we want to give Jimmy Kimmel Live exclusive premiering rights. To a commercial? <laughs> what a what a deal what a deal that is for us. <laughs> you mean we <laughs> the things people would normally pay for we could have for free. That's right. <laughs> All right. Hold on, let's check it out. You ready for this? After work you need to refresh, relax with some friends, recover from this quagmire called life. Excuse you me. deserve a drink. Excuse mate. me. Can I have a drink? Less. Dwink more. Dwink. The CBD enhanced beverage. Dwink responsibly. What do you think, man? I like it. I like the voiceover guy. He's he's, he's pretty he's, good. Yeah, he's good. He did a good job. <laughs> stuff, man. This is what we do when we're going to the next dimension. Is it possible that I'm feeling a little high from yes. the no way? It is. No way. No? No, I think you feel a nice little... Yeah, a little lift. Just a little lift. I do. Right. Okay, because they always say it doesn't really... I'm telling you, brother. Yeah. No, I'm definitely feeling a little... A very pleasurable something right now. Eric, you want one? Yeah, Eric, have one. Yeah. Which one would you like, man? Mixed... So how are you period? handling life, man? What are you doing? How are you handling life? Do you get enough workout in? Do you get training in? Obviously, I don't get enough workout in. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I do work out three times a week, but I mostly try to 
keep conversations with my trainer going so that I don't really have to oh, work out that much. Yeah, I do that trick. They wouldn't let me do that trick all the time. <laughs> yeah, man, how you do them today? How's your family? Yo, man, don't worry about my yeah. fucking family. Give me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> don't worry about my family. Yeah, it's a real, it's a trick on your only on yourself, really. So, yeah. like, oh, good, I just paid a hundred dollars to uh, yeah know, to a uh, bullshit with somebody about a YouTube video. Hey, man, you got to get your breaths in, you know. Right. How about your back and forth with Trump? Um, well, it's more uh, forth than back, but yeah. uh, it's not like he really responds to me. He's hearing it, dude. Maybe. He's feeling he it. He loves hearing about himself. Yeah, he does love hearing him. I know he knows that, uh, not just me, but I know he knows that he's not thought well thought of in, in the late night community. Yeah. But um, he is, it's hard because he does so many weird and obnoxious things every single day. Yeah. And some days it's like, oh my God, am I, is he going to be the main subject again? And, you know, my, if I have any kind of a, like a, uh, uh, just kind of plan for the show or, um, whatever, just like an overall thought on the show, it's that we talk about the current of the events of yeah. the day. Yeah. And that's, you know, it's what everyone's talking about all the time. It's hard yeah. to get around it. How do you feel about the state of things right now? Very bad. Yeah. Very bad. I think that um, like maybe at the top of the list is one of the most boring subjects is climate change. And mm. I mean, we can feel it. You know, yeah. you could just you just know. Like, I was just in France with a heat wave. Yeah. It's, 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 never it's, a heat wave in Europe. It was 108 degrees in Paris. Yeah. That's it's insane. Like, this is not a this is not a coincidence. And. You know, I know you, you read and the, somebody will say, oh, it's 10 years and it's going to be a hellscape. And then people say, no, no, if we don't get it together in 18 months, it's going to be. And who knows what the, what time, you know, the time frame is. But I don't want to. Even if there's a 2% chance that we're fucking this planet up for our, our children, our grandchildren, we should take that very seriously. Yeah. And the, I, the only comfort I get is knowing that these uh, fossil fuel um, – businesses these people will also have to live on this planet and they will suffer the same consequences that we do but unfortunately the the poorest people will will suffer the most and um well you know that dude scott pruitt yeah the belief behind it is that god will replenish he's right god will replenish god will eliminate the human race (laughs) exactly and he will replenish the planet yeah exactly (laughs) It's just like fuck, man. Why do you? Why do we want to be here and just fucking burn it all to the ground? You know, especially when it's not like somebody saying, "Okay, but you have to stop driving." Right. You don't have to stop driving. You, right. There are other ways to drive. We have an electric car. I'm a big fan of it. Yeah, I do too. Yeah, it's great. It's fucking awesome. It's great. It's, it's got good pickup. It's like a. It's super quick. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. I believe in that. Yeah. I believe in electric car too. Yeah, I mean, eight years old. He wants to buy a Tesla. Yeah, because the doors go up on the side. That's That's what the kids like. I want a Tesla. Fucking sick. The coolest thing about the Tesla is that, like a computer, they add. They can add features. To the software of where do I plug it up at? Uh, You just get a plug, and it's in your in your house. Yeah, plugs right in, man. And you actually. The state of California, I don't know if they're still doing it, but they do a big rebate for getting an electric car. 
I think that's electric charger. I think that's been. Um, I think it's diminished over the years. It really? might be nothing now. Ours was really good. Yeah. And we, hey, can you ask well, the guys outside, is my, is my oatmeal out there? Am my grapes? Hey, guys. Is Mike's That's a great question. Out there? And his grapes. Don't forget the grapes. Can someone track down Mike's oatmeal and grapes? Wow, Mike. Look at all the people looking for your <laughs> oatmeal like, and grapes. Where right? is it? Where's Mike's oatmeal? <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> well, I got to bring this up on the show. There's two things I want to talk about. Do we have any honey over that. there? Thank, yes, please. Thank you. Oh, man. There you go, this. brother. We need a fork. We got a spoon. We... <laughs> Can we get a spoon? <laughs> is there a spoon? Emmy, thank you. Oh, this is That's not honey, is it? Yeah. yeah the coffee. How do you feel about this situation at the border? It's monstrous. It's fuck. It's disgusting. It's, it, it, you know what? It's, it's cruelty for no, absolutely no reason. It's crazy. Which brings to mind, I mean... Thank you, Emmy. Thank you, Emmy. Um, I'm just saying that God knows where this thing is headed if it's allowed to continue. And who, who just... Speaking of God, most of these people who support this call themselves Christians. Right. I and know. just, I, I don't know what church they went to or what Bible they're reading, but um, the one I know uh, would frown on putting children in a cage and separating them from their parents. And I understand you can't have open borders. You have to, you have to, there's a process, and the truth is, is that anybody that sneaks in gets ahead of anybody who did it the right way. But you have to be, you have to have some just measure of humanity. I mean, you know, the idea that we're going to deter people from coming over the border by treating them horribly is as un-American. A sentiment, an unchristian a sentiment, as I could imagine. I mean, it's it's it is the the most combination of the most un-American. Uh, this country that was f- built by immigrants and and our Statue of Liberty, you know, uh, welcomes our our poor, our tired, and our hungry. And you know, I mean, he might as well take that Statue of Liberty down because it obviously doesn't mean anything. Yeah. It's just amazing the light this this entire thing. The more immigrants we get, the more prisoners we build. Mm. That's how it is. That's how it always been. Because prisons make people money. Yeah, we have private prisons now. Yeah. So private people own so they can feed you and clothe you the way they want to. Yeah. And treat you the way they want to. And it, any society needs a supply of hardworking immigrants to continue. I mean, you need it. it it's, it's necessary. This whole country was fucking started by immigrants. Yeah. It's so easy to say, like, all right, shut the door behind me. Uh, now I'm here and this is mine. But this country belongs to, to all of us. It's pretty fucking maddening. Where are we headed? Like, what's next? Well, I hope that we look back on this time as as a temporary insanity. Mm. 
I doubt that's going to be the case. Short of some kind of justifiable war that unites us all, I, I don't see how our next leader, whoever that may be, is going to unite us. I mean, I think it's it's going to be we're just split in half, and um, and there seems to be no common ground whatsoever. Yeah, just none. And and I mean, even now, like we can have a, a wildfire and it becomes partisan. We can have a, a hurricane in, in Puerto Rico and it becomes a partisan. These things that used to be just like, yeah, okay, okay, there's a disaster. We're all on board to help. Now suddenly it become political. And it's just like, it's, just, it's not productive in any way. Listen, here's the thing. I understand, you know, I, I have relatives. I have, my wife has relatives who, who, think Donald Trump is is uh, is good for this country. But here's what no one can deny. This man, whether you like him or not, is a liar. He is a compulsive liar. He lies every single day. He lies about things he doesn't have to lie about. And do we want... Politi- Why do you think he does that? Um, I think it's... He's something he's found success with. I think he started just exaggerating his own achievements and his own appeal. I mean, we know this is a guy who would call the, the newspaper and say, uh, as as uh, uh, as his own publicist, and say Donald Trump is dating Salma Hayek, you know, and and just put <laughs> bullshit stories. And at that time, okay, whatever, it's harmless to everyone other than Salma Hayek, but. Um, <laughs> I, I think he can help himself that lying is his is his first inclination and um we cannot have a president whose first inclination is to is to lie and attack. What do you think is going to happen? I think he's going to lose the next election and I think the people who support him are going to do everything they can to thwart our next leader and I think we're going to keep repeating this cycle over and over again. What I hope doesn't happen is I hope we don't look back at this time almost wistfully where we go like, wow, thing, we thought things Remember were bad Trump then. Trump was president? That yeah. was good times. <laughs> yeah. We thought things were bad then. I mean, I think in a certain way, a lot of people who are uh, – you know, I was no fan of, of the Bush presidency. But now I look back on it and go like, what a George, please come back. Yeah. Well, hopefully he doesn't win. Again. What do you think about the opiate situation that we're dealing with now? It's terrible. I mean, it's... What's your opinion on talk to me? I think that... Well, uh, my, I mean, I think that it's just so easy to slip into that. And I think that doctors, a lot of doctors are irresponsibly um, providing people with those opiates. And... Um, that's a big reason for our homelessness problem here in Los Angeles. Because yeah, that was my next thing. This is where you come. Uh, I mean, there's no better place to be homeless if you're going to be homeless yeah. than here. It's We have a, a warm climate, and I think that a big reason why the numbers are going up is because people are coming here. You know, People who are hooked on drugs are, are, are coming here and living in the streets. Now, I know what to do with the homeless people. What do you, what do, you do? All these rich billionaire guys, we're going to all donate money and we're going to build like a, wow. a homeless hotel. It's just so complicated because it is. There, the, you know, there are homeless shelters, but a lot of homeless people don't want to be in them because they're dangerous, because the people there are dangerous. And, uh, and there are homeless people who don't want to 
who don't yeah. want to be yeah, to live true. In, in a place like that. So it, it's you know, and then if you have a family, you know, is that where you want your family to be? Do you, or do you feel safer on? the street or living in your car you know it, it's very complicated i don't so know complicated. that just build i think it has to be decentralized it has to be a lot of small communities and um and um you know and is it fair to only ask these business leaders i mean i think we should all pitch, pitch in, in. And, you know and 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 pay for this but the problem is is it's not just writing a check it's not like a lot of things like you know school lunch program you could fix that with money yeah this one is so very complicated it is of course we can't fix it overnight but that's that's for the best minds of our you know century yeah this has been happening since the beginning of time of course so how do how how do you think you handle it homelessness yeah so complicated. It, it is so, maybe the most so many complicated layers. issue. Yeah. yeah. Because it's not as simple. You know, you hear people go, man, get a fucking job. It's not that simple. For some it is, but for, for most some, it isn't. Right. Yeah. For some it is that simple. It's a issue of, I don't know, inspiration or engagement. But it's not that simple for everyone. You know? Jimmy, man, I really appreciate you coming. It was Big my pleasure. Time. It was my pleasure. I, lo- I enjoyed you. our time here, for sure. Thank you so much. I think I'm all CBD'd up right now. You're, yeah, you're perfect. You're in the family. You're perfect. <laughs> CBD family. Thank you. And Eric, thanks for coming in, brother. <laughs> Absolutely, man. St. Louis, Eric. Jimmy? Well, thanks, guys. That was great. Thank that was you. fun. Is there anything else you want to shout out? Um, Any, anywhere people can find you? I don't know. People can find me on the street. Just hanging out. <laughs> uh Eating chicken. <laughs> uh, but um, no, you know, I have a television show. And um, uh, Mike, I, I always uh, enjoy our time together. And I'm really ecstatic. Right and I'm excited about your pot Disneyland in the desert. I Man, really am. to come out. It'll be really awesome. <laughs> Damn right to I'm going to come out. Hell yeah, brother. It's <laughs> awesome, really man. Cool. We have a um, miracle. Uh, what's that? Ferris round? A Ferris, Ferris wheel. wheel. Yeah. yeah. Ferris wheel, Lazy River. You got to come to the next Kind Music Festival. Oh, yeah? Mike has a music festival out at the property in Desert Hot Springs. Oh, wow. Well, thanks, guys. Thank you, no, Thank you. Mike, great episode, bro. Man, one, this is our favorite one right here. Yeah, yeah I think this is, our, this is our favorite episode, no So what doubt. do you do when you leave here? Will you leave here? What, what do you do? <laughs> um, uh, you know, I got the, the kids. I have two little kids. They slept over my mother-in-law's house last night. So we'll go retrieve them and hang out on the beach a That's little nice. bit. And uh, then I'm going to a birthday party later. Awesome. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Nice little Saturday. Yeah. <laughs> Hot boxing. A little time with the family. Right. Birthday party. There you go. Beautiful. Mike. Yes. Love you, brother. Ditto. Thank, Thank you. you very much. Hey, everybody. Thanks for watching this very special episode of Hot Boxing. Be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel, Hot Boxing with Mike Tyson. Check us out, our website, hotboxingpodcast.com. Got all the episodes there as well as some badass merch for you to check out. Um, until next time, I'm Eben Britton. I'm Mike Tyson. This is so weird. See all these people here. It's I know. Crazy. It's beautiful, man. They bring you bring them in, Mike. Well, thank you very much. And now you got to kick them out. Yeah, now we yeah. got to kick them the fuck out. <laughs> Peace, everybody. Out of here. Thank you, Jimmy.
Thank you. You know what I love? Maybe more than any other material thing on this planet. I love free stuff. Anytime, anywhere. At the grocery store, they got that little basket of lollipops and stickers. I'm fucking diving in. You know what I'm saying? Well, today, I've got great news. Because if you're a Hotboxing fan, you love Hotboxing merch, and you love free stuff as much as I do, I love it. you have an opportunity to win a free Toad t-shirt or tank top just by heading over to hotboxingpodcast.com slash giveaway to sign up now to win today. Get it, y'all. Head over to hotboxingpodcast.com slash giveaway. Sign up to win your free Toad t-shirt or tank top.